right. We're doing level check. Oh. Now we're talking. Right. Uh, welcome to the podcast. You're having tea with Alice, or rather berries. <laughs> Try it again. <laughs> yes. Humorbot failed. Hello. Uh, do you want to tell people who you are and what your what your thoughts are on the world? Uh, yes. I'm Lisa Sky. Uh, I'm a comic. I'm uh, identify as queer, kinky, polyamorous, femme. Femme Daddy, Sparkle Puppy, Muppet Dominatrix, Non-Binary, I don't know. I like labels. I think they're the beginning of conversation, not the end of one. See, interesting, because I'm not sure if I do like labels, because mm, I think mm, they mm. proliferate, but mm. you have sort of interestingly contradictory labels, and I think that makes space in, in an identity. Mm. So, like, you know, when people think I'm an interesting person, often they'll cite things like, how do you play the banjo and used to run marathons? <laughs> you know, you were a lawyer and a comedian, so these two things that are quite far apart mean that they, they sort of imply a space in between that would be like... Yeah, sure, sure. You must be a really interesting person. It's not necessarily true, but so, for example, you say femme daddy. Yeah. That's a real... There's a real gap between those two in most people's yeah. minds. They think they must be incompatible or there must be some real interesting connecting segment. So can you kind of unpack that a bit more? Yeah, I guess. I mean, they are kind of... like. A dichotomy in that, yeah, like, you think of femme, you think very gentle and pretty and things. Um, I think because I'm not maternal at all. I've never been maternal. Um, but I'm very paternal, like, as far as those traditional kind of roles and, like, just the images and things go. And so, yeah, like, I have a lot of friends. Um, like, I'm always the sensible one. Like, yeah, I'm the most okay. sensible hedonist you'll ever meet. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I, you know, I, I'm the kind of protector and, you know, make sure that everyone's having a good time and things like that. But I also identify as far as... Uh, you can sort of eat these mics a little oh, bit okay, because they're cool. d- directional. And delicious. Delicious. <laughs> um, I, yeah, I, I, the way in which I dress and things is very high femme. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's... Uh, I came to femme via drag queen because I was always a little fat kid and I was never, you know, like I was always taught that as a fat kid you can't be feminine, you know, like you have to have the, the boys' roles in the, in the school play and all of that. Um, and so as a kind of fuck you to that, I, yeah, did this hyper-exaggerated femininity uh, that kind of stuck. Yeah. So, yeah, like I, I don't think I'm very butch in my presentation at all. Um, I'm very severely femme. Um, but yeah, so that's like kind of a, a presentation slash behavioural thing uh, all melded into one, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. That, so that's very clear. And, and have you been, like, have you ever wrestled with that identity stuff or were you very straight out of the gate, knew the communities that you fitted into and knew your labels or was it a process of discovery? Or? Oh, it's constantly a process. And I mean, that's, again, why I like labels is because it's a quick shorthand to be like, oh, didn't you used to feel like blah? Nah, but now I feel like blah. Um, I feel like people who grow up as women tend to be, because I, I'm i not quite cis, but I'm not quite trans either, mm. um, but I'm not gender fluid mm. because the feminist. So I just feel, yeah, non-binary, agender, I don't know. Um, See, yeah, that's, I, I was reading this article, I was telling you the other day, I mm. was reading this article about the idea that nobody is cis, mm. really, because yeah. everyone has, I mean, you don't have any such thing as a perfect womanly woman, mm. even if we could all agree on what those qualities were. Mm. It's a sort of a sliding scale and ev- everyone has masculine and feminine qualities in different yeah, mixes. Yeah. So the, yeah, no one is, is binary 
We're such a binary people. Even even oh. in, in articulating it as binary and non-binary, that's a binary. Yeah, this was the big lesson I had in my 30s was that humans struggle with grey. Black and white. And that's why polyamory is a real big struggle for them. Bisexuality is a real big struggle because it's not black and white. There's yep. a weird grey bit. And we as humans hate that. We hate that and we hate change. Despite the fact that everything is change and everything yes. is grey. Yes, exactly. Um, but what was I going to say? Oh, yeah. Well... It, this is the thing, like, I, I'm pretty sure that most people who grew up as women don't, uh, don't like, dry wretch of the thought of, like, for example, I don't menstruate because, I mean, who's got the time? <laughs> but the idea, like, sometimes I have nightmares where I'm about to get my period or I feel like I'm going to get my period. Um, and I know a lot of trans guys have that same thing. Um, and the thought that I have, like, ovaries and uh, a womb. Like the kind of all of the... Oh, God, it's so gross. Yeah. That's really interesting. gladly have sex with a girl while she has her period, right? That's fine. And, you know, celebrate a woman's, you know, woman insides if they want or whatever. Um, up to the wrist. Boom. Um, <laughs> but I just, yeah, the idea of that for me uh, freaks me out. It's a very nice little classical backtrack. Yeah. We seem to have turned it up since we got in here. I know, right? <laughs> They're pressing the fuck off button. I don't think so. We're <laughs> fine. We're fine. Um, that's really interesting. So you kind of there's that distinction there for you with not just being slightly outside of a norm, which mm. sort of only exists by consensus, vague consensus. Mm. You actively sort of rebel against a biological element of your gender. Yeah, yeah. It's as weird. far as gender is sort of biological and socialized. Yeah. Yeah, and it's like, again, another way in which I very much relate to drag queens because I don't have like a traditional shaped body. Like um, my feet are really small, uh, so I can't fit into like lady shoes, you know, mm -hmm. and I know that for a lot of drag queens, they can't fit into lady shoes because their feet are really big. Mm -hmm. um, I like have a padded bra at all times. Um, and so it feels like I strap my gender to my chest every day, which is so cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, and you know, also because I am half Greek and Greeks tend to have small boobs and a tremendous ass. Mm -hmm. um, so I kind of am a weird shape. And so I feel like it's really weird. Like anytime anyone like, you know, those aggressive displays of um, womanliness. Like if people are like, hey girl, or you go girl, or hey pretty lady. Ever since I was little, anytime someone says something like that to me, I go like, <laughs> like I'm getting away with it. Like, yeah, okay. and I have to double back. Cause I'm like, oh wait, no, I'm not fooling them. I really am that. It's yeah, strange. Okay. And yeah. Having said that, like I've never had a dream where I'm a guy or anything like that. So it is that sort of drag queen thing mm. in that you're a guy who dreams of being a lady yeah. almost. Well, it could all just like let's get real deep real quick. Yeah. It could go back to the it's fact the name that of this game. <laughs> what was your first concert, Alice? Uh, probably I think Dad took us to Bob Dylan or James Taylor. Can't mm. remember which was first. I remember one of them, James Taylor. I didn't understand perspective, so I thought he was a tiny man in a balcony. Like I thought he was a tiny man in a balcony That's halfway amazing. up a black wall, rather than a man down That's on a stage. So good. How old yeah. were you? Old enough that that made sense to me, or young enough that that didn't make sense to me. Whatever. Tiny Taylor. I was two. Yeah. Um, my mum took me to Boy George and dressed me like her, oh. like him, brother. Yeah. So That'll I have these it. pictures of tiny little two-year-old me dressed as Boy George. Oh, so you're less, yeah, you're so Boy George gendered. Yeah, exactly. 
my gender is Boy George. Oh, I love when him and Marilyn Manson get a bit fat and they they have the same, oh God, I love Fat Manson so much. It's that thing of, shh, no one can tell if you wear a giant jacket. I lo- and they're just like a bit <laughs> uncomfortable. Oh, it's so delicious. I often wonder if Pharrell has a very oddly proportioned head because he chooses to wear those strangely big hats. I don't really know Pharrell. Uh, he He's wears a happy hat. gentleman, yeah? Yes, he mm. wears hats okay. that are oversized. Oh. Which means either to me, I'm sure he has, actually, I'm almost sure he has a normal sized head, but when he wears the hat, I assume he must have either a tiny head or a very big head. Maybe he's like the Egyptians who had the inbred cone heads. Oh, yes. He could be like that. He could be like that. Because I'm happy, clap along if your cousins and parents are the same. <laughs> I love I love a bit of um, selective breeding. Mm, I'm enjoying kind of going through Europe and seeing the different people and the different types of people. Yeah, like the Finns. They're beautiful introvert cat people. They have the highest cheekbones, armored eyes, they're blonde to the bone, blue eyes. Um, yeah, very interesting, the I Finnish th- look. I was talking to Henry about this a little bit, a little while ago. I can't remember if we did it on the podcast or not, but his, he mentioned one of the things that while racism is never acceptable in oh, the Jesus. modern world <laughs> yeah you can understand it more in places like that in finland and mm. where they really had a monoculture for a long yeah, time well, finland's a cultural cul-de-sac. like london it doesn't make sense thousands yeah. of years of you know immigration and 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 movement of people and mm. but i mean those places were weren't they didn't even have the vikings there <laughs> they would they, yeah. they were a real monoculture yeah. so i can understand it taking longer for them to break open the idea of culture as fluid mm. and as integrative and as you know yeah. all of that which which it is and should be yes i'm not really i actually here's something that we should talk about okay appropriation ah give me one second first have you been to estonia no never it's amazing <laughs> in Tallinn, there's like a tour that you can do and they give you a quick like brief history video of Tallinn. And they were basically Europe's doorknob, like everyone got a turn. Mm. And it was just this like beautiful, whelp, that's what happened, lols. It's like, well, then, you know, the Germans got involved, but then the War of the French, and then they were, and it was all <laughs> just amazing. It's like, what are you doing? Like, yeah. Oh, well. We just got walked over by everyone. Exactly. And it was just it's in this nice happy-go-lucky, like, now this happened. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway. So, cultural appropriation? Yeah. I'm not... I understand that it's kind of where we are at as a society, <sighs> but I'm, I don't agree with it. Oh, good. Can I tell you a really funny story? Yes, tell me. Um, I usually um, do... Have you done The Falls for New Year's? Uh, no, but I'm planning on doing it. It yeah. is the funnest gig in the world. Like, I've never been, but I perform there because camping, despite the camping, which is unspeakably horrible, yep. and the pit toilets, even in the VIP section in the performer only toilet section there are pit toilets they're just slightly nicer and they this make is me cry fair, right this yep. is <laughs> yeah i lose my mind if i can't have a hair dryer amazing <sighs> it's not it's horrible i'm like a silk doily that's kind of wet and <laughs> i've got a cobweb on me um but they're my favorite gigs to do in the year right because mm-hmm. the falls have done this weird thing where they've made alcohol extremely cost prohibitive and also a token bar so tokens are on one side and the opposite side are the alcohols and so um, people just take drugs now. Uh-huh. And I would much rather any day of the week do a show at 1am to gacked out 19-year-olds than drunks. And I've had some beautiful, because I'm all like colour and movement. And 
They are so on board. They're your audience. Yeah, and they are so willing to play and it's so much fun. Like I do a much different show for the falls. Um, but these, these girls had like, and they were our age, they were in like their 30s, um, had these like Native American headdresses they, they made. And I kind of got thrown, and this is about 2 a.m. And I said, wow, you got racist hats on and kept going. And then at the falls, because everyone keeps, um, you know, it's a, it's a very moving crowd because people got bands to see or whatever. And then, you know, they kind of went to sneak out. And then one of them said, why are our headdresses racist? And I said, oh, it's because um, they're a Native American thing if you want to Google cultural appropriation. Yeah. And she went, oh, I grew up with, and I'm thinking, oh, God, if she says I grew up with Native Americans, it's still not okay for her to do this, but how can I kind of address that but keep yeah. the mood going? And she said, I grew up with feathers. <laughs> I straight away said, oh, yeah, same. That's just one of the many ways in which I am like a bird. That and I don't know where my home is. Home is. And then everyone sung I am like a bird and they left. Um, but cultural appropriation. Look, it comes down to kindness, basically. See, I would much rather call it mm. rudeness mm-hmm. than cultural appropriation because I think I'm all for cultural appropriation. And I think the kind of... Uh, no. I think at the the way that it is at the moment, it perpetuates hierarchies that should be flexible. Mm, so, for really example, we don't find it offensive if a Japanese man wears a Western business suit, mm. but it's offensive if a Western lady wears a kimono. Mm. And there's an assumption there about orientalization and fetishization and so on and so forth that perpetuates itself. Because yeah. if if you know if you don't let well-meaning people have access to other cultures mm. and explore them and try them on for size and play with them mm. in maybe a trivialising way but in but certainly in an in a curious way, then the only people who are using those symbols are the racists. Yeah. And you're also embedding these hierarchies that may or may not exist. Mm. So at for example, it's not considered offensive for an African American kid to wear Harajuku schoolgirl gear because we have assumptions about where they are on a ladder. Yeah, yeah. And I don't like that because I don't think it necessarily holds true. Yeah. And it will only hold true if we start to embed those things. Shit, that's a really good point. I feel like we're not there yet. Yeah. Because, like, reparations need to be made in some way. But... That's an excellent, excellent point. But that's not the... Repra- uh, yeah, that's yeah. The, uh, my other side of that particular argument mm. is that it's the thing that's easiest to latch onto because it's the most visible thing. It's the easiest thing to control. Mm. It's the very tip of the branch. Yeah. It's the very bud of the flower of that's been nourished by all of the rest of the tree. And so if we amp up this offence at these minor slights, if mm. you make that a huge thing, if you make offence assault mm. which a lot of people do they sort of conflate the use of the wrong word with a physical injury mm-hmm. to the point where they'll say that you know you've used the wrong word why is that offensive because people use that word when they kill my people yeah and then so using the word is equivalent to condoning or encouraging the killing of the people it's almost violence mm. the more we encourage that as a as a way of treating words the more you can feel like you've done something by stopping someone saying a word. Yeah. Rather than the reality of the thing, which is that no words are inherently offensive except insofar as they draw attention to an imbalance that exists. Mm. 
So why don't we try and fix the imbalance? Mm. And then anyone can call anyone anything. Yeah, It's yeah. really hard. It's hard to fix something from the very pointy end. Yeah. You want to move right down to the base of the lever. You know. Yeah, I guess people see it as um, almost the start. Like, think about, I don't know, the 15-year-old, you know, um, what's the word, Uyghur guy. Yeah. You know, who's like, yo, 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 what's up in the town? And has his hat on and, like, you know, is dressing like you know, a, a young African-American guy would. But, you know, two generations ago, um, you know, that guy's grandfather and that guy's grandfather, you know, like, wouldn't be able to drink from the same taps or whatever, or, like, yeah. three generations ago, whatever. Um, so you can see, like... I can see why it's uncomfortable culture, and yeah. should open a discussion. Yeah. But I think it should open a discussion in an encouraging way of, mm. like, if you want to wear that headdress, this is the history of it. Yeah. So, you know, see, that's I think that's a really good point. It's it's tricky because this is tied into, for example, like pronouns. Mm. Like I personally, for me personally, personally, I don't like the singular they for me. Mm. I know it's grammatically correct. I feel like it's for me. Um, it's clunky and I don't like it. Yep. However, um, when my friend says, please use they with me. Oh, yeah. But that's politeness. Yeah, that's, that's what I'm saying. Like, it's, it's like, okay, so this person is saying, I have always felt wrong and you can minimise this pain mm. by using this word. Mm. And that's their excellent reason for it. And my reason for it is, mm, it's a bit wazzy. Yeah. <laughs> like, and, and I feel like people kind of tar culture, like, you know, put cultural appropriation and appropriation and pronouns and things in the same bucket. But yeah, I've never really thought about it like that. Well, I've also, mm. there's also a personal angle on it. Ah which I've spoken about before on the podcast, which is I was brought up in a, a Burmese Buddhist mm. household. Mm. So the clothes that I wore for ceremonies and so on growing up, if somebody saw me wear those clothes now in, the today, in today's climate, and when I say somebody, I mean a white somebody, mm. would say you're being culturally appropriative. Mm. But when I was wearing them in Burma as a, as a kid, it was, you know... A, totally cool, yeah. and B, fun for the people who I was around that I was, you know, part of their culture and yeah, that I was yeah. this, you know, cute white girl who was who was embracing their culture and celebrating mm. their culture because it was my culture. Yeah. For my parents, arguably, that's appropriation that they decided to become Burmese Buddhist. But yeah. how can you say that, that religion is appropriative? I guess in that case you can't. I think, yeah, like it's it's more the whole... But again, so there's all these things that are built into that. The assumption mm. if you see a Western woman wearing a kimono that she must be appropriative and mm. maybe she was born in Japan. We live in an international world. I want to yeah. break that. So that's again my thing sort of against labels and assumptions and... Yeah. Well, I mean, I have a friend because I am uh, the biggest shibari nerd. I love it. It's Japanese rope bondage. Yeah. I love it. I love the fact that you can make it as sexual or non-sexual as you know you can as comforting or painful it's like a two continuums like you know I've had mates who have been really stressed and I've tied them up and they're totally platonic friends and yeah. you know afterwards you just feel like oh. ah yeah. um, and she it's like a hug exactly yeah like we were saying adult swaddling it's just oh it's so good um, and I have a friend the amazing mistress Alex and she's very much into uh, Japanese culture and things like that and yeah she is, you know, has studied under these amazing, amazing shibari masters and things, and she wears um, a kimono when she um, 
she ties and so does her rope bunny um, because it's kind of like embracing all of that culture and like, yeah, she's just so fully into it. Um, and yeah, they've, I, I, I think they've had people comment about it and I, yeah, I don't know, I don't know where I stand with it because I... But then even if you, like, so she's sort of proven her bona fides to the nth degree. Mm, mm. But I think you should be allowed to go, well, I don't really know mm. about it, but I think it's cool. Yeah. And then someone goes, hey, you, I'm not sure if you know the history of this. And mm. then you find out more and then you decide again and decide again as we all, all do at all times. Yeah. But this idea that you're not allowed to if you don't understand something, yeah. that has the, the flavour to me of those... Um, you like know, in Comic Con, where they c- accuse women of not being yeah, good yeah, enough yeah. at the thing. Yeah, it is that thing. If you're not allowed into our culture, if you don't understand it as well as we understand it, mm. that's a real, it's a real protectionist attitude. Yeah, and and again, politeness. I'm 100% for. <laughs> I don't want to offend anyone in the moment personally, mm. but I do think people are now getting offended by more things because yeah. we're classing more things as offensive, like the baby who f- trips over and looks to see. Mm. If their mum is worried oh. before they cry. There's and I know this is really like patronising of me to say that. No, no, there's this excellent article. Uh, I, oh, God, I read it ages ago. Yeah, um, but just quickly on the co- cultural appropriation, I mostly am like, I don't have an opinion because it doesn't really affect me as much, I guess. And so I just kind of are on the side of shutting the fuck up. Um, but yeah, the calling in versus calling out mm. um, thing of, yeah, there's a really nice checklist online. It's like, is your call out appropriate? And it was like, is it done in private? Is it done to make you feel better? You know? Yeah. And um, a perfect example is I have a lot of sex worker friends. Like all my friends are either academic sex workers or performers. Yeah. And um, the term prostitute is offensive. Not a lot of people know that, which is mm. fair enough. Um, because it's just, it, it's such an, an icky, mucky word now. Yeah. You know, it's and been used a lot in... Yeah. Exactly. In sort of trivialising things. Yeah. And I mean, in France, there's that classic word play, um, prostituée, like as mm. in killing. Oh, Jesus. Tuer means to, to kill. So Jesus. To, so there's that, you know, the prostitute oh. in the boot jokes. Désolé, mon français est très mal. I mean, it is. It's built into the associations of the word. Ugh, yeah. Well, so I understand that that, and I don't use it often. Yeah, well, and that's the thing. It's like... Except it's usually in context or quote marks. <laughs> it's okay that people don't know and it's okay to tell them, but it's how you tell them. And it's the thing with slacktivism, with cultural appropriation, with all of that. You know, If you take a person aside and say, hey, this is why this could be misinterpreted as unkind or this is why this is preferred, um, I think the way in which you call someone out and the way in which you accept that really kind of determines your you know the caliber of you as a person you know um i used to use the word tranny in Mm. one of my acts this is like seven years ago now yeah and i was saying um i was throwing glitter because of course it was i was it was me and you know i had glitter all over my hand i said oh looks like i just gave a tranny a wristy and one of my friends and again seven years ago (laughs) and one of my friends was like before it was considered as offensive as it is now because you have to remember that words change Change, yes and um and me as a non-trans person, like, my friend afterwards took me aside, was like, love the show. A few days later, or like a day later or something, 
you know, when I wasn't in like show, because you know, after a show, you're just in that yeah, weird yeah, yeah. hermit inertia. Yeah, you're yeah. like, okay, I'm you punch drunk. Yeah, you extend yourself beyond the limits yeah. of your skin and then you feel a bit overexposed. Exactly, and yeah. Fragile and, and so then she said, um, and she's a non trans person, but she said, hey, that word's offensive. And, you know, explained why and things. I'm like, oh God. And so then I ended up saying drag queen or Isti. Um, you know, because I was like, oh yeah, but I was just saying it. Because training wristy is, you know, like a really good rhythm. Like I was thinking that. I'm like, shush, shush, shush. You don't get to. Yeah. You don't get to say like, oh, but this is why you've done something. Uh, see, I, I agree. That it you want to be careful about reacting from the gut when you're protecting your own mm. kind of privilege. Uh, but equally, I do think you get to explain why. Mm. I think you get to go. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't know it was a thing. I like the rhythm of it. Uh, I, guess, I was yeah, thinking tranny in terms of transvestite rather than transgender. I, I know that it's kind of off the table now as a word. Mm. So I had this recently with an SBS article I wrote where I was talking about the way that Karl Stefanovic... Stefanovic? Stefanovic. Stefanovic, that's yeah. it. Uh, I don't watch television. Huh. He was in trouble for making jokes uh, because a cameraman in Rio was mugged by um, a trans... Oh. Gender, I think. Because they have Olympics person. there, yes? Yeah, they have the, the sports games. Olympic um, ring. And uh, this trans person or transvestite, I don't know, mm. um, hit the cameraman with a brick. And so Carl was making jokes about, you know, it's not the first time this guy's wrestled a tranny, etc. Whoa. And I wrote an article about it saying... What porn has Carl been watching? <laughs> because that's basically the only place that still uses that kind of word. It's, it's yeah. like, it's as outdated as he, she. Like, what, yeah. what is wrong with you? And I use both of those things in quote marks mm. because they are quotations. Yeah. But my editor no, no, asterisks no, no. them. Oh. So I was like, is it, is it that offensive that it cannot be put in quotations? That you need That's to asterisk weird. it. And yeah. the asterisk of, you know, TR asterisk mm. NS or TR asterisk NNY, Trini, like... That's weird. I, that's, for me, that was weird of like, I know the word I'm using, you know the word I'm using. Yeah. It's in quote marks. I'm not using it. I'm quoting it. Mm. In criticism of it, is the, is the sight of that word in context offensive? Yeah. Because that's an upsetting world to live in. For me, that's an upsetting world where you can't... Because it means you can't discuss something. Mm. You cannot look at something clearly. You have to obscure it yeah. with, a, with a fallacy. It's a fallacy that no one knows what that word is. Or yeah. that you're somehow protected by the absence of yeah. a vowel in your <laughs> eyeline. Like, oh, I don't know. Like, I just... I get so tied up with this stuff because... Again, I am aware of some of my privilege, obviously not the extent because I don't think anyone can ever be yeah. aware of the full extent of their privilege. But, And so a lot of the time I just – and because also I'm not very intelligent, um, so I can't really think through concepts. Yeah. So I tend to think, ooh, I'm going to shut up about that because I, the horse I have in that race is – much fitter. I don't know. Like, like I just but, think. But there, this then you leave the discourse to be controlled by the people on either end, extreme end of the discourse. Or for people, for whom it affects as no, well, and the people who don't give a fuck. Yeah, that's a good point. So then, I, I really, I know that there is this kind of. Again, this is the movement of society, and I accept that it exists, and mm. I will be polite and move with it because I 
um, you know, conformist to the extent that I would rather move easily through society than not, and I would rather people, you know, feel safe around me than not, mm, mm, mm. for the most part. Mm. But equally, yeah, is this movement towards letting the discourse be dominated by I, only the people who are oppressed mm. or the people who don't give a fuck. Yeah. And that happens in feminism as well, and I don't agree, where someone will say, oh, I don't know, I can't talk to it, I'm not a woman. And I'm mm. like, yes, you can. You can call that out, you can talk about it, you can... You... Yeah. This idea that there shouldn't be male feminists because it's ours and they should oh, let us talk. Oh, that's straight up not true, yeah. There's a difference between being like, uh, excuse me, I think I know what feminism is, <laughs> and... No, I'm a feminist. I think that... Yeah. And even calling me out if I'm being unfeminist, I'm fine for a guy to do that. Yeah. Because they might have a valid opinion. Just, it doesn't take your genitals or your identity to think. That's the magic of human beings is mm. we're capable of empathetic imagination. We are capable of understanding other people's plight, maybe not deeply or viscerally. Yeah. But, you know, saying, I can't imagine, so I can't ever think of how it would be. That's a cop-out, I think. Yeah. And that thing of like, well, I don't know what it would be like to be a black person, so I can't speak to that issue. Mm. No, I can imagine what it would be like, and so you shouldn't do that, or, you know, we need to work towards this, or whatever it is, rather than letting it be led by frightened, traumatised people. I don't know if I can imagine what it would be like. Like, I only I only became hot a few years ago. Huh. And I... Because I was always an invisible fatty, yeah. um, in that I'm quite short... And, you know, I, w I was really big, but I wasn't like, um, you know, like death fat, as, as we in the red fatties call it. Um, and it was really interesting because I, I lost a lot of weight, not by choice, through illness and stress. And the, and the way in which I became visible mm. was really troubling. And, you know, I always knew, like, I had really hot friends and, like, I had people saying... Like, oh, like the looks and the attention, da, da, da. And I kind of knew, but I was not prepared for, I guess, what happened. Yeah, the fact that I was not invisible anymore. That yes, I was now public you can't, property. you can't experience someone else's experience mm. and you can't... But I thought I thought I knew. I thought I knew what my, my conventionally attractive friends went through. That's not that I'm conventionally attractive, but you know. For me, it was that thing with people when my mum died. People saying, I can't imagine what that would be like. I mm. don't know what to say. I can't imagine what it would be like. Let me know what to say. I'm like, try imagining it, you know? It's but also then there's a fallacy in that as well because um, I know like I, I dated a guy who said he, he was basically a feminine, like an MRA in feminist clothing. Um, Ooh, and yeah, it was yeah. really bad. And he's like, that's upsetting. You know, I've had this hardship and I've grown up like this and I can imagine like, you know, yeah. If I was a girl and I was called a slut on the street, I'd be fine with it. I'd just say, fuck you. You know, and it's that thing also, I think that's really dangerous thinking, what would I do in that situation? Because we come with all of our baggage. You know, so like, for example, um, I can't imagine how you felt when your mum died um, because, you know, I know you had a, a much different relationship with your mum than I had with mine. Mm. Um, and, yeah, I think it's the same for... for but that's the thing. You know that I had a different relationship. So you can imagine mm. that different relationship. Again, you might not be able to fully viscerally but then feel I it. Think, but oh, you don't need to. But then I... See, I don't know, and this could be me being wrong. I'd think, okay, well, if someone really close to me, you know, with whom I had a complicated relationship died, I would not want anyone to talk to me. I would want to be left alone. Mm. I would want to be in a little hole. And I know that that's like... 
my Greek side, we have a whole fucking system in place. When someone dies, everyone just comes together and I hate it. I fucking hate it. Um, but that's what everyone wants and that's I have to go because that's this tremendously calming thing of getting the tribe back mm. together. And, um, yeah, so that's the thing of, okay, people like doing this, so I'll do it. Yeah. So and Does that make sense? Yes, but no. that uh, you understand that empathetically that mm. some people are comforted by that and you're willing to kind of trade off your own comfort in that situation. Mm. And so it's, I think it is this thing of like, well, let me find out more, let me see, this is what I think, tell people what you think because then you can bounce back off yeah. them. You go, well, this is what I imagine it would be like and they go, oh, no, you oh, don't no, have no. any idea what's that, what that's like. Yeah. So your friend goes, well, if I was a girl, you know, and I, if someone called me a slut, I'd be fine with it. You go... No, no, I don't think you would be because mm. you have to remember that it isn't just the word. Yeah. What they're saying when they call you a slut with their physical presence and the volume of their voice and the use of a deliberately hurtful word mm. that reduces you to your sexuality, in that moment, it's they're not calling you a slut. They're reminding you that they could physically dominate you yes. in that moment. And so they're not calling you a slut. It's not the word slut that's offensive. It's when someone shouts it at you out of, you know, a doorway that you're passing or from a bench that you're close to or even from a car that's driving away. Mm. There's this sudden sickening realisation that you're not safe. The only thing that's protecting you is a a fallacy of civilization and their decision in that moment to obey rules that are not being enforced. Yeah. And that may or may not be enforced. So they could hurt you. And I know someone who does get that. I was talking to him about this moment and he said, mm. yes, I used to walk home in Nablus in the West Bank. And I was, you know, I was fine there, but I was the only white guy there. And the, te- the kids in the militias, 16-year-old boys, would red light me with the... With the guns. With the guns. Jesus. On the way home. <laughs> and I was like... And they'd laugh and you'd hear them laughing and you'd see the red dots. And I was like, yes, that is the feeling. This is the thing. I imagine more extreme because it is a life-threatening thing and it's not so... And you know there's only one minute, one second between a joke and and death. But that the feeling... The joke itself is not offensive. Yeah. It's what it implies and it's the... It's the reminder that you are fragile and it's the reminder that you're not safe. Yes. That's offensive, quote unquote, offensive. That's, I think Richard Watts said this, I think. Um, but like as far as, you know, like, oh, why can't women see cat calls as a compliment or whatever? He said, okay, I invite men of any sexuality to cat call men. Like, so not women, because that's what, like, men always think, no, but if a woman, woman did that to me, it's like, no, no, no. What if a man did that to you? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I have a really interesting because you know I look weird, mm. and here I was walking with a few friends, and a guy. I was very, I was like dark prince of matchy matchy deluxe. I was like all black and green. It looked fucking amazing. And um, there's a certain guy, of usually a certain age, who feels the need to comment, mm. and like. I get a lot Is of it between fifty-five and sixty-five. Oh, mayhaps <laughs> the kryptonite demographic. Exactly. It's so funny because I get women of all ages complimenting me on my things, and they're always very brief. They're often very furtive compliments, like, "Oh, I love your hair," you know, yeah. or like, but it's always like on the way. It's not stopping you or anything. It's always this really quick. I really like what you're doing, um, 
Whereas with guys, they say things like, you must love green. I was like, they need to comment on your looks. And he said, you must love green. I said, you must love noticing things. And one of my friends was really shocked that someone would say that. But it's this weird patriarchal thing of like, you have put yourself they out there. They demand your full attention. Yeah. And now here is my here is my opinion on you. They do it from the audience as well. Of, yeah, exactly. Of, of just, if you make them uncomfortable, their response is to demand your full attention. Yeah. And, and that's a thing that happens. Mm. Uh, and I imagine is annoying. Yeah, it is because I literally just dress like this because it makes me happy. I really like bright colours. I really like weird clothes, weird fabric. You know, I, I love putting... I don't wear foundation because it's boring. Um, like, it's not fun. Eyeshadow yeah. is fun. Lipstick is fun. Yeah. Mascara is not fun, but, you know, you've got to balance. <laughs> but... Proportion, uh, artistic, exactly, artistic exactly. proportion. Um, that's the gessoing the canvas. I think mascara is fun because it makes me feel like a giraffe. Oh yeah, I like how yes, and you have amazing eyelashes. I don't use um, mascara often. I uh, this is my one kind of feminine folly. I get a haircut once a year. Um, I'm almost due for my annual haircut, uh, but I I do get my eyelashes dyed. Yay! So that yeah, that's um, a thing. It means you don't ha- you don't get panda eyes. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, I always take my makeup off before bed. I never have not. Um, See, I never do, which is why <laughs> I can't wear mascara. Oh. I just, I'm at best tiredly rubbing my face with one of those horrible wipes. Just, just rub some I'm coconut oil, bro. It's so much easier. Uh, yeah, it just drops it off. But um, yeah, like I, I just do this because it makes me happy and it makes other people happy. Mm. And it's so strange that like, because I live about, f- there's about five inches of reality stunting perspex between me and the world mm-hmm. sometimes because I am genuinely baffled by the comments and stares that my look elicits um, and I also am genuinely baffled as to why other people don't look if not like this in other hyper exaggerated ways you because know? you can yeah exactly yeah I make a joke about Vin Diesel and the way that he's <laughs> kind of built his body that he has extra shoulders on his shoulders <laughs> And I love that. I love it. He's just gone, well, I'm a na- relatively narrow-shouldered man. I'm going to put extra shoulders on my shoulders because yes. why wouldn't I? That's and, you so know, good. I spend however many hours in the gym and however many, like, carefully calibrated protein. And yes. Why not? Why not? Why not? Because this is what I want. Why? And, and, and people do modify their bodies in relatively extreme ways. But mm. there's ways that we see as normal and ways that we see as abnormal in yeah. that there are, you know, both women and men who put on or lose weight in specific places, in specific mm. ways, who strap in and bulk up or, you know, pad themselves in various ways. Mm. And they're all quite – it's it's interesting. If somebody does a push-up bra, for example, mm. that's not even considered strange. Yeah. But if they were to, for example, pad their knees <laughs> – Why not? Why not? Ooh, and I know it's all about sex, all but f- it's not all about sex. Oh. You know? Why can't I have Vin Diesel arms for a day? What, why don't I just shove tissues into my sleeves? I'd love that. See, that would be amazing. Just for a I day. I genuinely want to start wearing knee pads because I'm looking outside at the wet cobblestones. My ankles are fucked at the moment because I am very clumsy and I keep going, ooh. Oh, dear. And, yeah, falling are, on Are you a healy person? Do you wear no. heels? No. That's like my one non-femme thing. Like, Well, because I'm a size... Australian size 5D. Look at those little trotters. Oh, you have tiny feet. They're not, not real to, I mean, feet. I wouldn't have said tiny feet if you hadn't mentioned oh, yeah, that no, you had no, tiny they're feet. They're obscene. Yeah. They are so strange. I have bigger feet than you. Yeah. 
significantly. So does the world. Um, and they're weird. They're, like I said, I've got a high instep and they're quite wide. So it's impossible to find shoes. Oh, wow. Um, and so, yeah, like I know a lot of firms are obsessed with shoes. I tend to spectrum bang, you know, like because I've been to shoe stores are like three stories high and been like, I don't care what shoe looks like. Can I have a black one, please? Yeah. And they've gone like, oh, no, we have nothing for you. I'm sorry. Oh, um, God. Yeah. And they don't look that weird, but they are. Um, but, I mean, foot fetishists love them. So mm. it's just that kind of annoying thing. And now I'm just like, fuck off heels. Blah. I but imagine foot fetishes would not. I used to run marathons. I imagine that oh they no, would not be super into. I. But the weird ones, like the ones with the, like, the black nails and stuff, sometimes they're into that. Depends. Rule oh, 34. they don't have black nails. Everyone's into something. I, I imagine so. I, I think mine are neither disgusting enough nor pleasing enough mm. to be pleasing to anybody. They're just sort of middle of the road. One of my toenails is kind of a bit weird. <laughs> yeah, I'm now, I, I am annoyingly now in a body shape category that like fat fetishists aren't interested in me, but people who are like into normies aren't. But it's a good litmus test because I tend to attract people who are just into bodies. And that's the same with me. Like I need a lot of body diversity. Yeah, okay. Because if I'm like, exclusively dating people of the same body type. I'm just like, oh, but I want all of the bodies. Like fat, tall, short, thin, all limbs, some limbs, no limbs, just bodies. So you're you're interested in variety. Your taste is for variety rather yes. than for any specific yes. element of that variety. Although it tends to be every time I look at, like every guy. Uh, I, know, I met my husband when I was 18. Whoa. And... Almost every single guy I've ever gone out with since then has been some variant of him. Huh. And so I was doing um, uh, some festival passes once and I had my husband, my boyfriend and my smissive. Uh, and it was the first time, because they're all different aspect ratios, but it was the first time I had all three of their headshots close to each other. And then I <laughs> messaged my tech, who is a very, very close friend of mine yeah. that year. And I was like, what the fuck is wrong with me? They all look exactly the same. And he was like, yeah, I thought you knew. Like, no, <laughs> look at them. They're, they have the same hair. They have the same eyes. What is wrong with me? He's like, yeah, yeah, it's because it's Chris. It's like they're all variants of Chris. I'm like, but that much? He's like, yeah, we all thought you knew. <laughs> <laughs> See, now that is interesting. Actually, I might ask you a question because I'm doing mm. a joke at the moment mm. and I'm not sure how accurate it is. Okay. So the joke is uh, about... Young, and if you come to see The Resistance, you'll see this joke. I'm sorry, I'm going to spoil it, but this mm. is important. Technically, uh, comedy stuff. Mm. So the joke that I say is there's a lot of white guys, or you, if you see much comedy, you'll see this a lot, guys on stage saying, I'm terrible with women. Mm. Beautiful, confident, young men mm. standing on stage saying, I'm terrible with women. You're not terrible with women. You're terrible to women. <laughs> and it annoyed me so much that I wrote this joke, and the joke is I don't have that problem. I get asked out. My problem is with conflict because I was brought up in a Buddhist household, so I don't like conflict. So I don't have, I don't have the confidence to have those kind of awkward, uncomfortable conversations that you need to have in any relationship. So mm. I have fourteen boyfriends now. <laughs> it's very stressful, a lot of calendar work, a lot of chafing. <laughs> and then I talk about telling that joke, and the reaction that I got: a guy shouted out at the audience and said, "You're like bread. Everyone touches it. No one wants it." Bread. Yes. But it's delicious. But if everyone touches it, no one wants it. That's, oh. That was his argument, oh. right? And so the joke, I won't tell you the punchline of the joke. You have mm. to come see the show. But on the way to the punchline of the joke, I say, okay, slut shaming aside, logistics aside, 14 is way too many. Even polyamorists manage like five. Relationships are hard. Mm. Is that the case? 
could you maintain a relationship with 14 boyfriends or do I need to up the stakes? Yes, with a but, no, with an if. (laughs) So, um, Is it a valid point? It is a valid point. And is it like five is kind of more the norm for polyamorous relationships? That's kind of... I don't want to speak for everyone. Um, My experience, and it also depends if you're like how you define relationships as well. But 14 boyfriends, yeah. uh, Everyone, well, not everyone, but it's hilarious. A very common poly thing is when you come out as poly, then you have to date everyone and you date everyone and you have 17 people and you date everyone Mm -hmm. and then you burn out. Um, But yeah, like for example, at the moment, I have a husband and a boyfriend. I've been with my husband for what? Known him for about 15, 16 years. We've been married for about five or six. We've been together for about 12. Um, my boyfriend and I have been together for three and a half years, I want to say. Mm-hmm. My submissive and I, oh, actually this week, it was our fourth year anniversary. Um, and then I've got quite a few lovers. I don't have a girlfriend at the moment, but I am actively looking for one who lives in Melbourne, goddammit, and won't Give break Lisa my heart. Give Lisa a call. Give Lisa a call. Uh, I'm surprisingly not out of your league. Um, <laughs> but I, uh, yeah, and I have several like kind of casual lovers who we we have very loving relationships Um, like for example one lives in Sydney and you know we there's so much love there but we only speak you know maybe once a week like via text we don't really Skype a lot Um, and you know but when we get together it's very intense and stuff but I think for significant boyfriend type relationships yeah that's a 14 is a a comic, a comic number. Good. I was yeah. hoping it was. Yeah. I was betting it was. I do know some people in polyamorous relationships, but mm. the ones that I know are mainly in triads or quads or yeah, yeah. things like that. And so I was sort of assuming basically that that's standard, that that's yeah. about as many really serious relationships as you can handle. Yeah. Because relation, like even I find even one relationship quite yeah. difficult to, you know, like it, to do. Yeah. And then plus friendships and. It does get really hard. Like I was, I was dating someone who I was kind of semi-interested in and I said to them, look, I do not have time. Uh, no, at first I said, I don't want to go on a date with you because I'm only free, you know, middle of the day weekdays. Yeah. Um, you know, because weekends are boyfriend time. Weeknights I work. I'm a comic. That's when we work. Yeah. And they were like, yeah, fine, fine, fine. And then it turns out, that, you know, like we had a few dates that went really well. It turns out they work nine to five. And I'm like, well, this will never happen. And like, well, can are there any days you have off? I'm like, are there any days you have off? Yeah, and I just got really stubborn. But um, I forget where I was going with that. The point is that relationships yeah. are difficult and take a lot of time and energy. Exactly. Yeah. So, and I'm an extremely um, intense person. That's one of the reasons that I prefer relationships over one night stands. Then I'm into weird shit. Um, but yeah. So, <laughs> ladies, and yet, no, mostly. Femmes. I want I want Alice. I want a femme girlfriend. I've decided I want the pass around party bottom version of me. I, want I don't know what any me, of those words mean, but, but it sounds like fun. I want me, but a masochist. Yeah. Uh-huh. Who lives in Melbourne and will not break my heart. Well, if any TCAST listeners are or know somebody like that, mm. uh, hit Lisa Sky up on your internet. Yes, um, I'm at the Lisa Sky everywhere. So on Instagram, spelt um, S K Y E. That's the one. Yep, the Lisa Sky, uh, where I take just. I've got two photo speeds. I've got misrepresentationally beautiful and Dave O'Neill, 
and <laughs> not a lot of O'Neills on my Instagram. In reality, <laughs> in reality, she's definitely somewhere in between, but more on the misrepresentationally beautiful I am, end oh, of that scale. Oh, hush, go on. Um, it's just because I have no middle face, so in photos I'm still in like, hi there. Like if I just walked around like this all the time, I would be amazing, but I'm always doing these like <laughs> faces. Um, I think that translated that's on what the untag. Oh, that's <laughs> what the untag function is for. Exactly. I do a lot of these ones. <laughs> Uh, if, if for the listener, what I was doing was pulling my chin back into my neck to give the myself... Sound, the sound was... Whoop, yeah, whoop. Uh, that face. I do that because I think it's funny and it makes people laugh. But I never look at that face because I, I just make it. Yeah. I don't make it in the mirror at myself because yeah. I make it as a sort of a conversational element. Yes. So when I see photos of it, I'm horrified. So please never take photos of me or send them to me. But yeah, um, so YouTube, uh, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook... The Lisa Sky. The Lisa Sky. If mm. people were going to contact you, is there anything they would you would like them to contact you about or ask for more explanations for or not even talk about? Yeah. Um, no, I mean, I. you know me, I have no boundaries. I feel like... So long as you don't open the email with so. You seem to like green a lot. <laughs> um, I, if I have the energy, um, and I don't really like typing long missives, um, but if I have the energy, I kind of believe that if we can, we're all the best ambassadors of our own beliefs. Um, and so I'm more than happy uh, to explain things to people who ask them respectfully if I have the time. Yeah. Yeah. And if I don't, they should come see my shows because I explain them there. Ooh. Ooh, come see Lisa's show uh, if she's in town. Follow her on Twitter and you'll find out if she's in your town at any given time. Mm. Uh, thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks. Tea, Alice.